Welcome to Basket Talks new episode. This is Mirdemir Demirar from Basket Talks. In this episode, we are with Drew Hanlon. Hi, Coach. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on. Thanks for joining me. I'm very excited right now. And thanks for accept my invitation and make time for it because you are very busy right now and you can find the time for this. And thank you. And first and foremost, I want to start with how is your life going? Everything's great, man. I appreciate you asking. It's great on my end. And how about yourself? Yeah, it's great too. Thank you. So I want to know something about your basketball history. Right now, you are one of the best coaches in the individual training system. And I listened some of your interviews and you said you wrote your a drill book in your 17. I would like to know when and why this interest began and how it grew to where is it right now? Yeah, so I mean, I started when I was really young. I was like every other basketball player that dreamed of playing college basketball, dreamed of playing in the NBA. You know, the only way that I knew how to get better and improve was just put in a lot of hard work. And so there weren't trainers back then. You know, maybe you had a good coach that could help you give you some individual workouts. But really, it was just you would go to the gym and you'd get shots up. You'd work on your handles, work on whatever skills that you kind of knew on your own, and then just played. You know, you'd play three on three or five on five with your friends after school. Me being a guy that I was 5'11", you know, I'm 5'11", wasn't blessed with super great athleticism or height. I knew that I had to do something to kind of outwork everybody else that had an athletic advantage on me. And so I started doing individual skill work. A lot of times my friends would be on one end and they'd be working on, you know, they'd be goofing off and playing any kind of basketball game, whether that's 21 or tips or three on three or whatever. And I I'd be on the other end just working on my game, working on step backs and floaters and runners and ball screen reads and, and getting up a ton of shots. And so the process that I used was it was a relentless process. I would shoot a thousand shots before school every morning and then I'd do skill work after school. It worked because it worked. A lot of other players around the St. Louis area where I'm from started wanting to work with me and use the same methodology that I used. And so I did two things. I started a training academy and then I, I wrote the book. So the people that were local, could come to my training academy and work directly with me. And the people that were outside of the driving distance to come to my academies, they could use the book to work out on their own. Thank you. So I will be honest because I think about it before the entire, but I will be honest. I'm a big fan of yours because I watched almost all of your videos on YouTube and I'm still trying uh, what I learned into my practice and actually they were really helpful in understanding how basketball works because you talk about all details in your all videos and I would like to know how a player can train with you. So it's hard now, you know, when I first started out, I had academies and I was doing camps and clinics all over the country. Then I started going all over the world. Now I do still have seminars and camps and clinics. I try to get to as many countries and cities as I can. But you know, right now I've kind of focused my time and energy on my MBA clients just because they require so much time. During the off season, I'm with them every single day. We're doing workouts, we're doing film work, we're doing kind of strategic planning so that we can improve on the things we need to improve for the following season. And during the season, I'm doing film work for them. So I'm reviewing their games. I'm giving them feedback. We're making adjustments and corrections. And then also if they need me, you know, they're flying me into town and then we're putting in work. So it's hard for me to have my hand individually with so many players. So I've really, I've chosen depth over width, going really, really all in with, you know, a dozen players versus spreading my time too thin where I can't get the result that we're after. Yeah, thank you. Well, uh, as a young player, I questions the same thing, but you work with NBA players, as you said, and as we know, and we are watching the NBA, which is very different from European basketball. And I'm 
not talking about only athleticism it's like skill sets skills decisions and so on uh, in your opinion what are the differences between working with european and nba players Well, there's two big differences. The first difference is the rules are different. In European basketball, you can be in defense of three seconds doesn't exist. So you can be in a zone, you can be hunted in. So the spacing is not the same as the NBA level. Things like you can grab the ball off the rim in Europe where you can't do that in the NBA level. Traveling. You think a lot of American players, they struggle when they go into Europe and FIBA because of the rip-throughs. You know, a lot of rip-throughs in the US, they allow you to kind of rip through at the same time as lifting up your pivot foot. Whereas in Europe, you have to put the ball down before you lift up your pivot foot. So rules are number one. The second thing, and again, this is just to me, it's just the style of play. NBA, because of the rules, is more offensive, individually focused, whereas in Europe, it's more team focused. In Europe, you see a lot of false actions that lead to real actions. They're doing an action to get to the action, whereas in the U.S., it's more of straight get to the action, hunt mismatches. And then obviously take advantage of those mismatches. So I think those are the two biggest thing is just the style of play is so much different. Um, and then the rules are different. You know, I think that those two things play a big part in the different basketballs that you see in both the NBA and all the leagues in Europe. Yeah. And I saw in your videos, you work with all ages, I can say, all ages basketball players. And then just not only NBA and pro level players. And what are the common mistakes that most young players make? That's a great question because I think a lot, a lot of people end up wasting time in the gym. They think they're working hard and maybe they are working hard, but they're not working smart. You have to do both of them. And so what I would say is I think that the biggest mistakes that young players make, number one, they don't have a plan. They just go into the gym and they try to figure it out. Oh, I feel like working on ball handling today. Uh, I'm tired of ball handling. Now I'm going to do some shooting. Uh, you know, now I'm going to work on some moves. They don't have a plan. They don't have a focus. That's the first mistake. NBA players, everything they do is mapped out. It's strategically planned. I always relate it to a GPS in a car. If you got into a car and you're going somewhere that you've never been before, what do you do? You enter in where you want to go, the destination, and then it spits out directions that says here, 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 here. It tells you exactly what you need to do if you want to get to where you want to get to. Well, that's how workouts should be planned too. If you want to get better at your finishing, it can't just be, oh, I'm just going to go in and hopefully I get better at finishing. It needs to be, all right, here's my blueprint. Here's my plan. These are the steps I need to take. And if I take these steps, then I'm going to get to the end destination that I want to get to. So first thing is just, you know, having more of a strategic plan. Second thing is purpose. You'll see a lot of players work on clown, what I call clown drills, fancy drills that don't necessarily directly translate to in-game improvement. And I was one of those people that when I was younger, I fell victim to it too, where you do the two ball dribbling, the tennis ball catches, the cones, and you do all this kind of stuff because it looks cool. And because, you know, you're getting a good sweat. So you think you're working hard and you think you're getting better, but you can just get better results if you're working on the exact same skills that you're going to do in games. So the second thing is just making sure you're working on game skills so that you get game results. That purpose matters. And then the third big mistake that I think a lot of players have is They don't accept or welcome criticism and feedback. They just think they know it all or they think that, oh man, I got this. I know exactly what I need to work on instead of really being coached up. I mean, the best players in the world are constantly asking questions. You know, Joel Embiid leading the NBA in scoring and we talk every single day. We go through film every single day. He's constantly asking me what he can do better, how he can get better, what we need to do to get better, how we can prepare moving forward. I mean, same thing with Jason Tatum and Zach Levine and Tyrese Halliburton and Bradley B. All those guys, all they want to do is constantly find ways to get better. There's young kids that when their parents tell them something, their coaches tell them something, their trainers tell them something, they, ah, oh, 
it's like, come on, man, they're trying to help you get better. So those are my big three things is being able to not only accept criticism, but like crave feedback, crave that criticism that helps you actually improve over time, you know, making sure you're working with purpose and then making sure you have a plan so that you're not just kind of going in the gym and figuring it out on the fly. Yeah, thank you. Actually, uh, I, I was with Genin Baker last week and he said the same thing for the common mistakes. But I would like to ask you, this is common mistakes that on the court. What about off the court? Off the court, I mean, the mistakes that players make, number one is they get in with the wrong crowds of people and those people, you know, get them into trouble off the court or get them distracted. Um, another thing is off the court mentality wise, there's drama, there's stress, there's things going on in, in their life that don't allow them just to focus and play present. I always say that a lot of slumps on the court start off the court. And you think there's just a guy that's missing shots. He didn't forget how to shoot. A lot of times he's just in his head. And a lot of those times when they're in their head, it's because they have unneeded stress off the court. And then another thing is they just don't take care of their bodies. NBA players, the great ones, they spend so much time, energy, money, making sure that they take care of their bodies. They're stretching, they're doing prehab, they're doing cold tubs, they're doing saunas, they're getting massages, they're lifting weights, they're doing cardio, they're eating well, they're sleeping well, they're hydrating. I mean, most players, if you look at a young player's diet, It screams, I don't care. You know, I gave up sweets when I was 12 years old. I didn't eat sweets until I was done playing college basketball at 22. So I went 10 years without soda, sweets, just because I was serious about it. But if looking back, I was still eating McDonald's and still eating fast food and fried food. So I knew to avoid sugars was good, but I wasn't fueling my body with the nutritional aspects that I should have been. So I just think taking advantage of everything you possibly can if you really want to reach your maximum potential is important. Yeah. And my, my friends and my mindset, actually, like, all right, we, we are doing sports, so we can eat McDonald's or we can eat ice, ice cream because we are doing sports. Tomorrow we have training, so I can eat because tomorrow I will burn it out. So, yeah, this is a wrong mindset, as you say. The best example I always use is like, like a Ferrari. A Ferrari, you can put regular gas into it, the cheap gas into a Ferrari, and it'll drive. But eventually yeah. the engine's going to burn out. And that's the same way as athletes. You know, you can put bad food into athletes and we can we can push through it. But if we wanted to drive the best it possibly can, we got to fuel it with the right things. Yeah, that, that, that's a great. And those suggestions, same with your advice for young players or would you like to add something different? No, I'd say the same thing for young players. Obviously, it's a little bit harder because young players don't have the budgets these professional players have. They don't have the availability sometimes. But I just think being able to eat as healthy as you can, being able to sleep as well as you can, being able to stretch on your own, be able to surround yourself with good people, avoid the people, place, and things that stress you out and, and cause unneeded drama in your life. I mean, all those things are just great pieces of advice for anybody, athlete or non-athlete. We talked about players and I want to talk about coaches and uh, as a successful coach and mentor, do you have any recommendations for young basketball coaches? I would say number one, relentlessly study the game. I don't think many people study the game. Like you think about a lot of coaches, a lot of coaches complain. They're like, my players don't work hard enough. They don't spend at least two hours a day working on their game. And I'm like, do you spend two hours a day studying the game? Most coaches don't. Most coaches just, you know, they were players, so they think they know the game. Maybe they casually watch a game for enjoyment. But are you actually breaking down and studying the game? So number one is like relentlessly study the game. Number two, and again, this is one of those things that I think a lot of coaches don't do, but like they got to start studying like the people that they're working with. Care about them. Learn about them. Learn psychology. Learn what makes people tick. How different people learn. All that stuff matters because 
there's some really brilliant basketball minds that aren't very good coaches and aren't very good trainers. And there's also people that are really able to connect with players that don't know basketball, but they're able to get results because they are able to connect. So if you can hit that home run where you're really, you know the game of basketball and you know the people that you're trying to help improve and coach, I think that's when you have that secret sauce that allows you to be really successful. Yeah, thank you. And you have a staff for basketball because you are very busy. By the way, you have a mentorship program for only coaches. Right? You have connection with thousands of different coaches. So I'm curious how you pick your team members. Like what qualities do you seek in a basketball coach? You know, my big thing is I, I'm just like a GM that's trying to build the best team around me to help grow the game. My ultimate goal is to help as many players, coaches, trainers, agents, scouts, everybody in the basketball world improve and take the next step in their careers and their journeys. So when I built out my team that works for Pure Sweat, I'm not looking for all scores. You know, if you build your team around all scores, it's not going to be good. You're looking for some scores and you're looking for some passers and some rebounders and some defenders and some glue guys. So, you know, I have a videographer that does a great job. I've got a COO that does a great job, a guy that's in charge of all my social media and graphics that does a great job. Then I've got trainers. I think that's the biggest thing for me is being able to surround myself with a ton of really talented people in the aspects of whatever they're in charge of doing. And then uh, all of us together pushing each other. Take pure sweat where I can't take it by myself. Actually, I wonder it too uh, about your mentorship program. I, I'm really curious about that. How can coaches or scouts or any staff of basketball can participate of your mentorship program? Yeah, so for coaches and trainers, you know, the mentorship program has been the best thing that we've put together. We have online courses that are available, and then we also have in-person meetings. Every month, I have an hour-long Zoom meeting where it's me and a small group of coaches that are going over basketball, different concepts, different talks. And then we have another hour call that's business, helping them advance, you know, get the jobs they want, get more clients, become a basketball trainer. So we're really proud of the programs we put together. And then we have some in-person ones as well, where they can come out for two, three days and spend three days on court with me. So we have a ton of options. They're all on puresweatbasketball.com. So if anybody's interested, they can go check them out. But like I said, my, my big thing is just helping as many people as possible get to where they want to be. Yeah. And thank you for that. So let us proceed to the final question. And in your opinion, what are the musts of basketball? Man, first thing is you got to love the game. You got to love the game. And, you know, I got nieces and nephews now. I have four of them. And my sister, who played college basketball as well, she's always asking me, like, Drew, what do I need to do to help them become the best basketball players possible when they're ready to take that step? And I said, first thing, just make them fall in love with the game. Get them jerseys. Watch games with them. Bring them to games. You know, have a basketball hoop in, in the room. Have a basketball hoop in the basement. Just get them around the game because if they fall in love with it, then you have a chance. Second thing is, once you love it, then it's just about, again, building the fundamentals. You got to build the fundamentals so that you have a good foundation that you can grow from. Then after that, it's all about, again, step-by-step, step, gradual improvement over time, not cheating the steps, putting in the work. And then again, living with whatever the results come. But I would say those are the big things. Love the game, build that fundamental foundation, then gradually over time, add things to your game so that you continuously improve, seek criticism and, and crave improvement in that manner, and then be obsessed with the results. And the only way that you can truly be obsessed with the results if you're willing to do anything and everything to get them. So those are my kind of uh, golden nuggets off the top of my head that I would say are must for basketball players. Yeah, thank you for joining me and thank you for all of your answers and really making time for this interview. And I hope this interview was useful for the listeners. And thank you very much for coming. Awesome. Appreciate you, man. I enjoyed talking with you. Yeah, me too. Thank you.
and see you. Have a good one. In this episode, we are with Drew Hanlon. Thank you for your time. I hope you enjoy. See you in next episode. Bye bye.